You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. And welcome back to 757 Saturday Sports Talk, powered by Larry King Law. If you are injured in an accident, you call 757-I-N-J-U-R-E-D for Larry King. <clears throat> I am the coach, Ed Young, last week on the Virginia Sport, in the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. My partner, Matt Hatfield, caught up with one of the nine inductees who hails from the Martinsville High School and went on to become the ACC Player of the Year and at the University of Virginia, and that was quarterback Sean Moore. Let's hear what the conversation here on Art Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. It's Virginia Sports Hall of Fame class of 2023 induction night. We're pleased to be joined by one of the nine inductees from the University of Virginia. He was the ACC Player of the Year with the Cavaliers, Sean Morwell. Sean, congratulations. The night is finally here. How are you feeling? I'm excited. You know, it's, it's more of a celebration for, for my family and friends, but uh, I'm, I'm super excited about it. Pride of Martinsville High School. Tell me about the upbringing in Martinsville, where I know it is a very rich tradition out there and a diehard sports town. You know, it's, it's, if, if you came up during my time, you know that it's it's known more for basketball. But uh, it's nice to get in, you know, from a football perspective. But back in the day when Husky Hall was coaching and, you know, Jeff Atkins and Tony Dallas, you know, we're, we've been known for some have some really outstanding basketball players come through there. I know in speaking with Will Driscoll, the executive director, he talked about you mentioning that it has that rich tradition of basketball and racing, you know, about Husky Hall and Jeff Atkins, but you were really key on trying to get that football program at a high level. Tell me about being just a back then where, you know, multi-sport athletes didn't exist and what your mindset was growing up. So, you know, back then, you know, you, you always did something uh, during the season. Uh, if, if it was a fall, you played football or whatever sport was available. And in the, in the winter, you did something in the spring. So you always had to do something back then. So even though basketball was the most popular sport, you know, Martinsville has always been known to have some outstanding athletes. There's some fantastic baseball players to come through. People would always give me a, they would always hag me because they were like, you, you were drafted in baseball and you, didn't, you decided not to play baseball. I never played baseball, ever. Uh, it was back then where quarterbacks were so popular, you just assumed they would be good pitchers. So I, I was drafted by the Expos. I never stepped foot on the mound ever in my life. So that was always, I always thought that was kind of a unique uh, trivia. Certainly some great times at UVA, being ACC Player of the Year, ranked tops in the country. They know about the more to more connection, you to Herman. Was there a sticking point, or I should say a defining moment in your time there in Charlottesville that you look back on that really propelled you? Uh, you know, the 90 season uh, by far was was the most memorable. Um, even though we we were ACC champs in 89, 90, we, we went on to obviously be the number one team in the country and led the, led the country in score and offensively, you know, the numbers were mind-boggling. But uh, that, that's probably what stands out. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm fond of the championship we won in 89. But in 90, that team was that was special. That was a special team in 90. You look at UVA now and what Tony Elliott's trying to do there. I mean, what sets UVA apart from other schools? I know you're biased. You went there and you set records there. But from other institutions, be it in the ACC, be it in the state, that makes it such a unique place in your eyes? You know, obviously the academic component. Uh, one of the great schools in the country, when you start comparing public universities, and it's Cal Berkeley, UCLA, Carolina, 
Virginia's always mentioned in the top three to top five. Um, so that component will never change. Uh, we also have fabulous non-Olympic sports. So, you know, lacrosse, you know, top five in the country, baseball, top five in the country, uh, swimming and diving constantly, you know, NCAA champs. So we have to get the football part turned around. That's the part. Once we get that turned around and, and we're winning on a consistent basis, then it's going to be the ultimate school. I think, you know, kids from all over the country will want to attend the school. I think for every Hall of Famer, it's, it's so true that it takes a village. It doesn't get done by one person, male or female, by themselves. For you, give me a couple of individuals. I'm, I'm sure it's more than just two, but give me a couple of people that stick out about your journey that helped you get to where you are. You know, my high school coaches are here tonight, uh, two of them. Uh, and I, I think they helped uh, give me confidence because uh, at, at, w at one point I didn't think that I could play quarterback at, at a high level. Uh, but they took me to quarterback camps as a, as a high schooler. And I was going all over visiting schools, places I wouldn't be able to go. But um, I, it started there. And then obviously going to a school like Virginia, uh, Gary Tranquil played an instru instrumental role because he was just such a fabulous coach, fabulous teacher, and really taught me the game. He taught me the game from a quarterback perspective. Come on for you. When that tag goes after tonight, Sean Moore, UVA great, Virginia Sports Hall of Famer, what will that mean to you moving forward? You know, uh, it's 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 an accolade and a, a recognition that I, I'm truly fond of. But as I said, I always felt like I was the ultimate team player. So I think this award tonight, really, I, I intend to recognize and uh, honor all the teammates that I play with because really it's about all of them as well. And lastly, fill the audience in on what Sean Moore is up to these days. So, you know, just raising money for University of Virginia football. Uh, been on staff for two years now. Super excited uh, about the direction the program's going and uh, just love being back on grounds. Excited about, you know, everyone is kind of hesitant about this year, but we're trying to figure out, you know, what type of team we'll have. So it'll be, we're super excited. It's funny, I mentioned on our show earlier that I feel like the record may not reflect it, but long term, the benefits could be seen, right? Absolutely. Um, you know, we had a good spring. Uh, obviously, not a new player through the transfer portal. So uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how it all plays out on the field this fall. A lot of people excited to see Sean Moore, that old Moore to Moore combination going to the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. Thank you so much. Congrats Thanks, again. They heard from uh, not just the assistant football coaches at Deep Creek or the assistant coach Jamie Frazier, head coach David Cox, and then D'Angelo Hall about D. Hall's induction into the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame. But also you heard from Sean Moore, the former UVA great quarterback, ACC player of the year. If you missed any of the interviews we had here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk or even the Tim Donnelly show from the Hall, Hall of Fame induction weekend, we also had on Jimmy Laycock, Bob Rotans, Joe Montgomery, Ryan Zimmerman from the Washington Nationals. It's up on our podcast page, which you can find out at ESPNRadio941.com, as well as all the past episodes, interviews, rants such as Ed's last week or mine earlier today on ESPN Radio 941.com. We'll tweet out some links as well on our Twitter page at 757 Sports Talk. So uh, what you think there, Ed, after hearing uh, Sean Moore uh, brought up some interesting points that uh, that was one of the best quarterbacks UVA has had. And they've not had a lot of great ones over the years. They've had, obviously, him. Marcus Higgins comes to mind. We thought Brendan Armstrong would be that guy, but it didn't materialize last year with Tony Elliott, and he ends up bolting out the door and Quarterback play in the Commonwealth has been lacking since the days of Sean Moore and Hagens and Michael Vick, among some others. Well, I think with Vick, obviously, that's the name. Um, you're right. Virginia, UVA, you think about quarterbacks, it's, it, you really got to go look it up to see guys that are pretty good. And Sean Moore's name does come to the forefront, but, you know, he didn't go on to have a great career in the NFL or anything like that. But, um, but they got the job done. I mean, that's the key. You don't have to have a great name or whatever or have to be a future pro. Just get the job done for 
the time you're there to do it. So, uh, but Michael Vick, I think, is is the one everybody talks about, and, and some people forget he, he played at Virginia Tech. No, I don't think people forget that. People even on the West Coast, not West not, Coast not Commonwealth. People. Yeah, the West Coast yeah, people. But, but we, you know, Virginia. most of our audience is here, even though you like to proclaim we have listeners in Bosnia and Pakistan. And also in uh, Angola. Speaking of which, no. you heard John Marshall's going to Angola, right? That is going to be a tremendous recruiting trip for them. <laughs> wow, you said that out loud. Six, okay, why school. else would you go? For a cultural it's, experience. Why are you, why no, are you stirring the pot? No, the Virginia pod? High School League voted. See what voted, he does, Dino. No, the Virginia High School League voted 27 to 22 that it's it's open season on recruiting as long as you do it outside the country. I love that video they had on Twitter I sent you where they go, 3, 2, 1, John Marshall, 3, 2, 1, Angola. And then they went tick, tick, boom. tick. I want to see Ed one of those videos that goes tick, tick, boom, tick, tick, boom. But back to what we were talking about. We don't get sidetracked because we can do that very easily on the show. Oh, you often do. I, I was thinking about hearing Sean Moore talk and also D'Angelo Hall talk. Remember, that was back when Tech was in the Big East, as he said, and you know Michael Vick, he was going through the recruiting process. Do I pick Virginia Tech or Florida State? We picked Virginia Tech. How about the last five years, fellas? Listen to these rankings from Rivals.com, which I use as our source. I know people can go with ESPN or On3 or 247 Sports. I am biased because I'm the publisher for VirginiaPreps.com, and Rivals.com is our parent company owned by Yahoo Sports, and it's a good site, and they have a lot of information, so let's go with it. I've got it. Since 2020, listen to these figures each year. 2020, Virginia Tech, of the top 35 recruits in our state, they didn't have a single one. Not one player. UVA's highest guy was ranked 13th. 2021 class, top 10. UVA had two in 2021. Virginia Tech's highest guy was 16th. 2022, Virginia Tech had only one player in the top 10 at number 10, who, by the way, I hear is transferring out soon. I won't say who that player is. UVA had nobody in the top 35. 2023, this past signing class, Virginia Tech had one prospect in our state in the top 15. This isn't nationally, folks. UVA had just one in the top 15. Already here, five commits so far on the rivals' top 35 for 2024. Those five verbal commits, if you're wondering, and it's very early, very early in the recruiting process, but so far, five commits. Number two, Assad Brown, who once played at Oscar Smith, now is at St. Michael in Fredericksburg. He's verbally committed to NC State, defensive back. Number eight, Anthony Reddick from two-time running state champion Phoebus, pass rusher extraordinaire. We'll have to get him on the show soon. 6'3", 220 pounds. He's committed to Maryland to play for the Terps. AJ Riss was excited about that. He's not here today to celebrate, though. Zahir Rayner, son of former UVA great linebacker Wally Rayner, who's the head coach at Trinity Episcopal. His son, Zahir Rayner, has committed as a safety to Minnesota to play for the Gophers in Chris Monter territory. You missed that last week. Dino, he said he was great to be with us, and it was great for him to have with us. It's always great to have yeah, Chris with us. It is. Number 17, the only commit in the state so far to Tech or UVA is Joshua Clark, defensive back from Flint Hill up in Northern Virginia. And the number 28, Luca Puccinelli, Ed's cousin, the tight end, the Italian stallion. Pooch. Yeah, good, good old, old pooch, pooch. Yeah. from Benedictine like is committed to Wake Forest, who, by the way, is cleaning up in the Commonwealth. They also got Western Branch's Devin Cook. And Wake, I believe, has four commits already, as Dave Clausen's doing a great job with Chip West on his staff. Chip West, people know from the Commonwealth, he used to be over at ODU. So I ask you all this, Ed, to say, what is wrong with, what is the, the issue for Tech and UVA recruiting in our state? We're not talking about four- and five-star guys all the time. I mean, I know you're not going to always get the number one player, but... They're not even getting the, the quantity to go with the quality of the upper crust recruits in our state. Do they have to get players from our state like UVA has now with Chris Slater's recruiting the area, former Tab High School great, played with the New England Patriots. 
He's the main recruiting coordinator in UVA's territory. Do Tech and UVA have to reconnect themselves with these coaches and players, especially in a time and era where NIL is so prevalent? And it feels like they're losing out not just to Alabama, Florida State, Michigan, Ohio State, but they're losing out to Wake Forest and NC State and Boston College in our own state. Yikes. Yeah, that's the part that it gets concerning when you're losing out to your league opponents in your hotbed area. That becomes a problem. Now, how do you fix it? Well, I don't know. It, it's one of two things. Are are they targeting the 757 with the idea we have to get the best players out of there, out of this area? Or are they not targeting it? They're looking all over every place else. I mean, you compare 757 with the rest of the country. Well, why would, here's, my, here's my back. That's a good point. But I would follow back to you. Why wouldn't they be targeting? Because if we're playing clips with D'Angelo Hall, who's in the Virginia Sports Hall of Fame, we're talking about Gerard Mayo and guys that went on to a great acclaim and success at the pro level. You should recruit these players. And even yes. in his top 25 right now, okay, Reddick's going to Maryland. He's a three-star back-to-back state championship team. He's got the measurables. What do you not, what's not to like about the guy? In our state, you have Devontae Floyd from Maury, Elijah Moss, Washington. He's 6'7", 210 from Hank Sawyer's Lake Taylor Titans. Massive prospect. you got Gerard Johnson, defensive lineman from Cox High School. Tayshawn Young-Steve, wide receiver from Green Run. Jaden Ratliff. Defensive back who just recently transferred from Norcom to Maury. Milton Ferguson, defensive back from Green Run. Jamari Bam Knox, the uh, diminutive yet speedy wide receiver from Oscar Smith. So you have some pieces that I think could help the Hokies and the Who's, and they've got to get, if not all of them, they got to get a few of these guys, right? Well, my, my, to divert from this, my thing would be a, a guy like you just mentioned, Hank Sawyer, longtime successful coach Lake Taylor. He's he's the type of a coach that we need to talk about and saying, hey, why? Because he's right in the, in the mix. Why? UVA, Virginia Tech, not getting the best out of the 757. Because I believe it, uh, a Virginia, Virginia, Virginia Tech has to get the best players out of this area, has to get the best players out of Northern Virginia, has to get the best players out of Richmond. You've got to get your strong areas in the state, any school. I don't care if you're Kansas, Kansas State, in the state of Kansas. You've got to get your best players, your in-state players. That's where you, you continue that line on forever. A school cannot say, well, we can do just as good going to um, Georgia, which is a great state to get high school players from. We don't need uh, Virginia. We don't need a 757. Uh, you can't make that kind of a statement. can't even think that kind of a statement. You have to be in on the better players um, in that. Now, also, too, now we go specific targeting. Uh, let's say uh, uh, Virginia needs a quarterback, and there's no hot shot. Um, prospect in a 757. Well, to that point, there's not a quarterback that I see in Rivals' top 30 prospects from our state. Right. So from that would state, mean they have to go out of state for that quarterback. Be so it you're going to have to, right. You right. have to. You can't tell a team, uh, hey, you got to recruit 757. Well, we, we need a quarterback. There's no good ones. Well, it doesn't matter. Take the best right. you one. You don't reach. Two. But I would tell you, okay, people do. wondered last year why they weren't maybe in the mix with Kevin White, the, the signal caller who was record-setting at – uh, Green Run, who went to North Carolina A&T. Now, that's not Power 5 level. It's not FBS level, but some wondered if they would consider him. Uh, I get it if they don't get him a Kai White, wide receiver from King George, who is one of the best recruits in the country, who has got Georgia on his short list and might be the one that ultimately lands him. But you got to get somebody 757. And I think it's I think you're right. You have to start with these power programs like Sawyer's Titans at Lake Tedders, Dorian McCain's Maury Commodores, Chris Scott's Oscar Smith Tigers, the programs that are winning, Brandon Williams at Green Run. You go to Richmond with Highland Springs, who's always a perennial contender, Dinwiddie, uh, Northern Virginia. We know about Stonebridge and some of those schools up there that are, are successful consistently. I think you have to begin 
at those places and get those players from winning programs and backgrounds. And that's where the relationships with those coaches have to, you know, get cultivated and get rolling for them to get there. And now there's another layer to this too, which is, is okay. Virginia, Virginia tech. Want, want a, a, the top quarterback from seven, five, seven, if that's what they're looking for. Maybe the guy quarterback doesn't want to go there for whatever reason. He wants to go to North Carolina, Wake Forest, UCLA, Southern Cal high state, whatever. Okay. So, the players turn down the local. The, the local. Well, so I get that there. with Makai White, but then when you're not getting guys beyond the top five, and we're getting it from ten to twenty-five, and you're losing out on those guys to NC State and BC. I mean, let's be honest. If they pick Southern Cal or Florida or Alabama or Georgia I, yeah, or Ohio the, the State, you right. say okay, but you're losing out guys to BC and Wake yeah, that, and NC that State. Part. That's the yeah, that's the one that's tough. I mean, Plus, well, don't forget we haven't mentioned it because we mention it all the time. You can dip into the portal, right. maybe basketball more so than football, and get maybe a more qualified, experienced guy that you say we don't have to take as long to develop him, especially when we're yeah. quarterbacks. So in that case, and the uh, um, the new monster, the NIL deal. Now let's make sure we understand this. NIL does not mean the school pays the kid. All right, that money is coming from a different source, but I'm not even going to get into all that, how that money comes, especially top the Power Five conferences. We know where that money's coming from eventually. That that has something to do with this now as compared to five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago recruiting when UVA and Virginia Tech were coming in automatically. We're getting these kids for the most part out of 757 Richmond and, of course, uh, Northern Virginia. I'm looking up on ESPN. They've got these quarterbacks where Tyler Buckner's at Alabama. He was at Notre Dame. Cade McNamara's at Iowa. He was at Michigan. Luke Altmyer's at Illinois. He was at Ole Miss. DJ Oyungalele, who was at Clemson, is now at Oregon State. He went from East Coast to West Coast. Sam Hartman, who set records at Wake Forest, is now at Notre Dame. And Spencer Sanders, who was at Oklahoma State, is now at Ole Miss. It is like a transactions transactions page to keep up with all these quarterbacks. You need a roadmap. You need a, a glossary. You need a I mean, a, you need all these things to figure out who is where. In college sports, but uh, and it, even these top players do transfer once they commit somewhere. But that's the biggest thing, too, I think, is for Elliott at UVA and also for Brent Pry at Virginia Tech. And this could even apply at levels beyond that with in-state coaches like Ricky Ronnie at ODU, JMU, and what they're building there under Coach Signetti. You want to get players that you don't feel like they're going to leave you right away. So even if it is that four or five-star guy, if things don't go well, you might have to shy away from some of those guys and build with the three-star and build quantity in, in certain spots there. You might the, have to. The thing that really is very disheartening with this portal crap is you got guys who have a great year, be, be it football or basketball, a great year, and it's automatically a transfer. Yeah. And I'm like, what What can a coach do? You, you, you play the kid, you expose the kid, he has a great year for you, all of a sudden, now he wants to go somewhere else for whatever reason. That never happened back in the day. It just never it's happened. True. And, then, and then the other point, I talk about different layers. You know, you might have a kid who's very good, uh, you know, whoever. And a school says, okay, we've, we've watched and we've evaluated him. He's very good, but he's not good enough for what we do mm-hmm. and how we do. Like you just saw the draft, guys dropping in the draft. And people are like, oh, my That's God, how would he drop? Because the, the teams that are coming up to draft, He's not quite what they want or need. He's yeah. good, but it's not what they really want or need. And you can't fault a team for that, even though in the long run, they may be wrong for not taking him. Like you said earlier this morning, we were talking. A draft, you never go on a draft until two, three, four years later. You have to look at a draft. You can't look at a draft right now and say, 
oh, the, the Raiders had a great draft. On paper, they did. Now you got to see if these guys can, can perform. Spot on. How do they drop? They put mayonnaise in their coffee like Will Levis. We'll come back with Jim Hammond, who does not put mayonnaise in his coffee, nor does Dino, Ed, or I. It's all coming your way nope. on 757 Saturday Sports Talk on your favorite sports connection, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. Back here on 757 Saturday Sports Talk, powered by Larry King Law. Enter in action, you call 757-INJ-U-R-E-D for Larry King with the Coach Ed Young. I'm Matt Hatfield. We're pleased to be joined by a special guest, a former college hoops coach turned professor at Shawan University. He used to coach on the hardwood at Shawan, Hampton University, Norfolk State, and was the head man at Tiffin University in Ohio, where he won 172 games. We say hello to our pal Jim Hammond. Coach, long time no chat. How you been? Great. Been doing well, just busy. It's the time of the year when exams are going on. We're starting exams and just trying to finish up the school year and trying to finish up some things on my dissertation. So just got approved yesterday for the first part of it, which was good news. So uh, just staying pretty busy. Good. To, I'm glad you have, uh, to have me on, Matt and Ed. Yeah, our pleasure. I had Ed down a couple weeks ago. I had Ed down a couple weeks ago to speak to my theory of coaching class. And oh, wow. students always ask every year, that are new students, are you bringing that guy from Suffolk in? Are you bringing Coach Young in? Because we hear he's a real treat, and he, he's very philosophical and does a good job with the students. That, Every and that, year on the evaluations, they, they list Coach Young. They want him. That's awesome. Well, I, I appreciate, Jim, you always bring me down because there's a million other guys you can give, but I think also the students are asking you so that when they know when I come, they want to hurry up and scatter. No, not really. Well, I just want to know real quick, Jim, I mean, I know he's a great speaker, and Ed has got passion. We know he's he's forgotten much more than a lot of us will ever know, but how do you get him out in time? Because if that buzzer goes off or that bell, he's still going. Like, I, I'm still trying to figure that out on this show. we got commercial breaks. My producer's yelling at me, we got to go, and Ed's still going. How do you get him out in time? Well, we make sure there's no class after my class <laughs> in that room. <laughs> and then we usually stay, students usually stay around. You know, last, last time he had uh, several people from – uh king's fork and from suffolk and our uh, franklin and other places stay and talk to him for another 10 or 15 minutes afterwards there you go that's good and then the real key jim is jim says okay five more minutes we're going down to the restaurant and i'm buying but if you're not out here i'm not buying and i'm gone oh, yeah. free food i'm there free food right. is the way to entice him so i just gotta tell him there's a burger outside when, we, when it's 1201 today i gotta get him off there we gotta tell him there's a burger outside from his favorite burger joint and we're good Tavern one twenty five. Ed changed this this time. He usually goes with the. Uh, this time he went with the uh, chicken sandwich. He usually goes with the Philly cheesesteak. Okay. Jim picked a great spot down there. There you go. There you go. Well, let's get into your world a little bit because you were a college basketball for a long period of time and successful at it. The 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 world of sports has changed now with NIL and everything with the transfer portal. And you're a professor, and I know for both you and Ed, the game uh, as far as basketball goes and sports in general, coaching and teaching. The principles, the values, all those things remain the same. But in some respects, you have to adjust with the times and alter different things. And, and you're in the sports psychology profession. So give me kind of your feeling and perspective on where we are with things and how this NIL and transfer portal is trickling down, even to the high school ranks, not just even the collegiate level where it's become so murky and hard to comprehend. Well, the transfer portal, of course, let's address that first. You know, coaches used to get up in the morning and look at the paper and see, look at the transactions to see if they had a job. And if their name wasn't in the paper, then they went to work. 
Now they get up in the mornings and look at the transactions to see if they have a team uh, because everybody is in the transfer portal. And, and uh, it's opened up a big can of worms. I think some of that was because the previous NCAA president, uh, Emmert, um, was kind of getting, this is my personal opinion, I have some inside track on this, they were kind of getting some heat from the Power 50 schools that, look, if you don't let us start paying players, if you don't let us start doing the things that we need to do, we're going to go form our own conferences in football, men's and women's basketball, uh, volleyball, soccer and baseball and softball, and we're going to form our own alliance, our own Power 50 alliance, have our own rules, have our own academic requirements, pay the athletes, and for, for the most part become minor league systems for the pros. And that the NCAA was threatened by that. And they are, um, of course, relinquishing in some areas. The NIL, you know, I, I wasn't particularly in favor of it at first. But uh, now I'm kind of in favor of it. Uh, the transfer portal, I'll give you an example. I had a three-time All-American by the name of Jeff Ward at Tiffin University who led us to the national championship games a couple times and I would have never been able to keep Jeff because back at that time we kind of snuck him through the cracks and he was a, he was a bona fide division one player, but every school in the mid American conference and every school in some of those conferences in the, the great lakes area, were trying to recruit him. And at the end of the year, I would tell my assistants, I'd say, you know, you guys get the players lined up. I'll go in and close the deal. But my job is to keep Jeff here. Well, fortunately, his brother came to school there, and he fell in love with a girl that he ended up marrying, and he ended up staying. But if the transfer portal was back then, I'd have never kept Jeff and never had the success that we had. Um, so, you know, and you have, to, you have to look at the transfer portal or the NIL as well. Uh, being a Buckeye, um, of course, Jim Tressel would have probably still had his job at Ohio State if, yes. if the NIL was in back then. No doubt. Uh, but I'm not a I'm not a big proponent of the uh, of the uh, and, and uh, one other thing I wanted to say I just thought that I was looking at my notes. The other thing about the transfer portal, it doesn't address late bloomers. You know, as an athlete, I was a late bloomer. And uh, sometimes a person needs the, you know, I went to a school my first year and, and played ball there and didn't like it and ended up transferring to a Division three school in Ohio. And um, so, and some of that's because I was a late bloomer. Some of it was immature. I went away from home. And uh, so I think there is some substance or reason behind the uh, transfer portal. Although, you know, it's a mess today. I mean, I know one day last week, Coach Jones lost five players and turned around the next day and picked up four in the transfer portal. And uh, sometimes you have people, we've had athletes at Chowan entering the transfer portal, and they didn't even start for the team. And they ended up coming back. But the, uh, I would say that the, uh, the situation with the NIL, I am vehemently opposed to it, doing it in the high school level. I mean, you're in a situation where, um, first of all, there's a there's a guy by the name of Dan Gould who was the North Carolina Athletic Educator of the Year a few years ago. He teaches at Michigan State, and uh, he wrote a book about sports psychology. And uh, Dan Gould says that 
realistically, you should not start competing until, and this is what more, most sports psychologists believe, that you should not start competing until you're at least 12 years old. Doesn't mean you don't play the sport, beehive soccer or something like that, but you don't start competition, actual competition until you're 12. But yet I'll ask every one of my students over the years, what years, what year did you begin? Um, what year did you begin playing sports? And invariably with T-ball, soccer, basketball, whatever the sport, they began around four or five. You know, we even had a professor come to me a couple of years ago and say, hey, my uh, grandson is uh, uh, going to, from coach, uh, from T-ball to coach's pitch, and he's very, very frustrated right now. The coach started practicing in January, and they're practicing indoors. And I said, what seems to be the problem? And, and she said, well, the coach has it set up for a 60-mile, five-mile-an-hour fastball. And she said, I know nothing about sports. But is that okay for an eight-year-old? I said, good Lord, some college high school kids can't hit a 65-mile-an-hour fastball, let alone an eight-year-old. And sometimes I think that's where we hit the, 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 the uh, ground running with this. You know, your caller last week from Hampton, the last caller you had, mm-hmm. did a very good job of what he had to say. And he, the, the thing that he talked about or kind of alluded to is that we forget the, the def- and, and we're in such a fast-paced, instant-fixed society today that most people forget, and kids don't want to be known as children at age 16. But by law, they are still children uh, by the definition of a child. And, um, you know, what most sports psychologists believe, you know, they look at things like, particularly with this high school NIL, um, or with a high school NIL, they look at things like, what about child labor laws? Yeah. You know, who's going to pay the taxes, you know, on that money? The parents are going to pay the taxes. And I asked my class earlier this week, I told Ed this the other day, I asked two of my classes that are a total of 49 students in two classes. And I said, if you were in high school today, would you want the NIL in high school? And all 49 of them came back and said no Mm. so i waited a couple days and i said okay let's reverse the cycle a little bit let's put you in high school now would you want the nil and 46 of them said no that they still wouldn't want it Mm. they said you know they wouldn't be prepared to handle it the only three that did was said said was because their their uh financial situations and it might help their family that's the only reason they wanted it and, you know, you're going to get into a bargaining tool. You're going to get into – there's enough problems right now with transferring and, and things like this that uh, and it, uh, you take a couple of years ago, there was an article in the pilot that in the Virginia or in the area high school basketball leagues around here, in the summer, men and women, there were more D.C. private academy coaches there recruiting than there were college coaches. I can believe that. Because they were – they were trying to tell people, and this was in the pilot about three or four years ago, mm-hmm. you come to our school, and I won't mention the schools, you know the D.C. private school, sure. and we'll guarantee you a scholarship. Yes. Uh, but, you know, the other thing about it is, and I remember this being from Ohio and being a Buckeye, I remember years ago, Maslin, the Tigers of Maslin, Cincinnati Moeller, Bob Golick's high school, used to be on ESPN, uh, Lakewood St. Ed's, uh, Cincinnati Moeller, 
all these schools would basically say, hey, look, we want your son or daughter to come to our school. We'll get you a job in the area in a factory if you'll have them come to school. So they were doing it behind the scenes years ago. It's now it's just kind of like out in the open. Mm -hmm. And uh, But, you know, you get into, and not to be too winded here, but you get into a couple of situations here where money breeds intensity, intensity breeds pressure. And I don't know how many young kids can handle that pressure today. Um, I gave a talk in D.C. in in December. Actually, I followed uh, at a conference Christine Berman, who's very liberal in her writing. And I gave a talk on sports specialization in D.C. at a conference. And the problem you get into with you have burnout and pressure with young kids. You know, high uh, peak participation, and this is from Gould uh, uh, in his psychology, sports psychology book, peak participation occurs between the ages of 10 and 13 years of age. Mm-hmm. And invariably, for every 10 children who begin a sports season, three of four are going to quit before the start of the next season. Yeah. Well, you start adding money to the pressure, uh, to the situation, and with parents involved, yeah. that's going to create a lot more problems. And some of the reasons that they withdraw, they're not as good as they wanted to be. Maybe they're bored. They don't like the pressure, which is the biggest thing, and the pressure excited by some children. And the other thing about it is we have to look at the physiological aspect as well. There was a doctor from Brown University just this fall, and I included it in my presentation, had a study in the past year that says that focusing in on one sport between the, before the ages of 12 causes more athletic injuries than any other time in a young person's athletic career. In other words, you're going to have injuries between 14 and 18, but you're going to have more injuries if they specialize in one sport before the age of 12. And she had some phenomenal statistics on this. And um, the other thing about that is, is that uh, that 14 to 18 group then let them specialize, but not let mm-hmm. them specialize beforehand. No, you said some good points there, Jim. And uh, unfortunately, we got a break because we're overdue for time. We'll have to get you back on here closer to July when they uh, make some kind of decision when this is expected to go into effect. I know the league's executive committee with the Virginia High School recommended a proposal by a vote of 31 to nothing to permit athletes to earn money through things like autographs and personal appearances, among other items. And I think, Ed, you and me are all in agreement that this is opening up Pandora's box and a can of worms but i just feel like the vhsl unfortunately is is fearful of lawsuits that come if they don't let this pass so we'll have to get your take back on as we move closer to this decision being made and uh enjoy your weekend we'll talk soon i i i don't know who makes i do i talk longer than ed does uh you might have for today i think you got him beat but uh we'll we'll get you back on here for sure and uh, we appreciate the uh perspective I don't know who makes these decisions, I, and I don't. I don't know even know if they have an athletic background. Right. But it's sad, and I am totally in agreement with you guys that, you know, it's you know we're so in fear of litigation today that correct. You know, it's it's sad the way it's we're we're making kids grow up too fast. It is. I think it's hurting so the kids and, and the, the product. Absolutely, Jim. And I'll look forward to talking to you guys again in the future. Thanks so much. That is the former college hoops coach turned professor at Shawan, Jim Heyman, with us. We're going to come back and hear from Russell Savage, tell you about what's on deck with the Autograph Show, plus one more giveaway. It's all coming up on 757 Saturday Sports Talk. It's 94.1. Hampton Roads has a long-running high school and college sports tradition. It's time to give them the spotlight they deserve. 
This is 757 Saturday Sports Talk on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Here are Matt Hatfield and Coach Ed Young. All right, we're back here in the final few minutes of the program. We thank you for tuning in. If you missed any of the show, it'll be up on the podcast page. You can find it at two different URLs, PriorityAutosportsRadio941.com and ESPNRadio941.com. That's our old URL. It is Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1 and 757 Saturday Sports Talk. So just bookmark both of them, and you'll be in good shape. You can hear all the past episodes and interviews and archive material with yours truly, Matt Hatfield, and the coach, Ed Young. And we're now pleased to be joined by the man that puts on these great Sports card and comic book collectibles expos and autograph sessions coming up next Saturday at the Virginia Beach Fieldhouse from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. is another one that includes 175 plus vendor tables as well as these guests Sam Allen, Sid Bream, Dwight Doc Gooden of Mets fame, Chris Samuels, Mike Nelms, a couple of Washington former football players, Bill Madlock of the Pirates, and Taylor Heineke, the ODU legend. Now an Atlanta Falcons QB after his days with the Commanders. We say hello to Russell Savage with us. Russell, good morning. How you been? Kyle, good morning, fellas. Thanks for uh, having me on this uh, Saturday morning. Well, you got a lot of great guests coming up with the autograph session uh, next week, and uh, I think the people around the 757 have to be super excited for Taylor Heineke, who was so beloved in these parts. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's the GOAT when it comes to Old Dominion football, so we were very excited to be able to bring him in, and uh, you know, he's probably one of our most requested autograph guests locally. So we were super excited to have him come in, and he'll be signing on Saturday from 11 till noon. Okay. So a very short window, but uh, make sure you all get out there and, and get your autograph. Yeah, we'll let you fill the audience in on the particulars about who's signing when and some of those things, what they'll find when they come out to this show, and let Ed jump in here in a second. But you mentioned about requested. So if someone's out there and they're a big fan, like Dino's a big Bears fan, he wants to have – you know, Mongo, Mike, whoever it is, you know, what we can't watch, yeah. but you can have, you know, Brian Erlacher, fill in the blank. Ed's a big Yankee fan. If someone wants to request somebody and, and maybe have them, you guys try to reach and get, I know it may not happen for sure, but how do they go about doing that? If they want to have someone, you mentioned Hanneke being so requested, how would someone go about doing that? Well, there's two ways to do that. The easiest way is to go on our website at 757cardshows.com. And one of our pages is called autograph guest. And on that page, is a form that you can fill out uh, to request names or suggest names. So we've gotten a lot of good ideas from there, you know, because it's it's hard for us to kind of keep track of, you know, who's out there or, you know, we try and keep it as local as we can as far as players who have either played here locally, live here locally now. Um, Makes so sense, yeah. Some of those suggestions that we get have uh, come to fruition, so. Cool, good to hear, Ed. Oh, Russ, good to hear from you again. I, I did go to the that, that last show that you had, and it was, and I got there a little bit late, but after the autograph people were gone, but the, the turnout was tremendous. I mean, what the exhibitors had to put on display was tremendous, but it was hard walking through the uh, aisles because there's so many people there. I think it was a tremendous show, which all of your shows, but I even talked to a few people just to add living to people, and they said, man, this is stuff they've been waiting for. It's almost like Christmas for them. So you guys are doing a tremendous job with that. Well, I appreciate that. And, uh, you know, you mentioned, you know, you know, the size and everything. Actually, August, we're, we're, we're staying at the Virginia Beach Fieldhouse, but we're moving into a, uh, a bigger section of the Fieldhouse to accommodate uh, more vendor tables, and then we'll have a much larger space for our autograph guests. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to bring in, you know, I mean, this time we've got – 
I think eight autograph guests, seven autograph guests, and you know we're hoping to to maybe keep that like ten, eleven, twelve going forward within that new space. That's pretty cool. I mean, I remember going as a kid to shows in Richmond. I remember one year Chipper Jones was signing autographs. You all have been a great job with your team over there to put on something that people can put on their calendar with the family, the you know, the wife, the kids, the grandpa, the grandma, the family can go out to and have a good time. And it's not just autographs. You have sports cards and Pokemons. And I'm sure Ed, when he came there, probably had a, a bushel full of uh, cards he was looking to trade when he came there, didn't he? He had to have that, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Did not bring oh, a card was, with was, me. But yeah. he, he, was, he was looking, and he was like a kid in a candy store. That part I was. I, I was talking to everybody at every table and looking at the stuff they had and wishing. I did a lot of wishing I could get this and that, but uh, I wasn't able to. But um, did make some, some contacts, some friends, and see what will happen down the road with that. And I would plan on being there again next Saturday, too, maybe try to get there a little bit earlier right after the show so that uh, I can uh, maybe see some of those people that are signed the autograph. It'd be great. And, hey, fill us in, Russell, if you can, the times. You mentioned Heineke's time. How about the other guests? Do you have that in front of you by chance, or where can they find that info? Well, they'll, they'll be able to find that info specifically on 757cardshows.com or okay. if they follow us on Instagram. Uh, we just we actually just listed the, the times on that for yes, yesterday okay. on our Instagram page and our website. Uh, and then we'll be releasing uh, the full pricing for all the guests uh, probably Monday or Tuesday. So. All right. Now, now, Russ, the other thing you had there that I thought was tremendous, let's see if you're going to have it again, you had the authenticators there. Um, and and talk, talk about to our fans, listen about that, about authentication. So, yeah, we had uh, JSA. They are the premier autograph authenticator out there. So if you've got something autographed, they'll authenticate it. Uh, for this go-around in August, they'll be there to – to witness certify the autographs from from the guests that we have at the show. But coming at our August show, uh, they'll also be back and they'll take submissions. So if you've got the autograph at the house, you, you want to make sure it's, it's authentic, they'll be there and, and they'll, all, they'll authenticate it on site. Awesome. So you bring it there that day and they'll, they'll have it there authenticated maybe in the next hour or two so you can take it home that day. Well, thanks for chiming in, Russell. We'll give away another gift certificate for next week's show, and I'm sure you'll see Ed and I over there next week. We look forward to it. Uh, Look forward to it, guys, and appreciate you guys having me on again. Absolutely. Russell Savage, caller number five at 757-687-9494. The fifth caller at 757-687-9494. You get a $50 gift certificate for next week's autograph show. For the coach, Ed Young, and Dean, our friends, I'm Matt Hatfield. Coming up next, it's NFL Draft coverage right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1.